Here we go. Test, test. One, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Dom Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Welcome to Embrace Matters of Race podcast. I'm joined here by the rest of the crew, Kelly Jane, Jay, and the homie Carl. Let's do what we do best. Let's embrace. Okay. A lot has happened, I feel like, um, in social media, in the world, and stuff like that. Uh, It's weird that we get so much British news, but... I guess Meghan Markle being an American really ties us rather closely to the royal yeah, family. She's a yeah. pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, born and raised in Los Angeles, California, you know, and now she's in the royal family. Yeah, I, think we just, and I think we just have a fascination in this culture for royalty and the British monarchy and all that. I think it's just kind of been part of our, our thing and, Maybe it's been going on since Princess Diana was around, but uh, but or even well before that, I don't know. But it just seems like that fascination here in America uh, for, yeah. for the monarchy. It's it's crazy, but I mean, that whole situation kind of ties into what we're talking about tonight, um, today. But if you're listening uh, today, we are talking about colorism, uh, which is a big deal. I feel like it's not really talked about that often, and people don't really know too much about it. So I'm glad we're talking about kind of the first, this is the first in our series of isms. You know what I mean? Isms. In the first of the isms, we got racism, we got colorism, we got discriminationism. Is that a wait, wait, is that a word? Discriminationism about to be a word. <laughs> when we do that episode. <laughs> wait, we almost made up the word embracism. But then we realized that it sounded right. That is going to be the finaleism. Ah, yes. Ah, embracism. Yeah, that's a series now, the isms. And we're going to end on embracism. And uh, yeah, that, that, that almost was our name, embracism, matters of racism. Well, um, first off, first off, what do you guys think about colorism? Like, what do you think it means? Where do you think it shows itself? Wrong answers are allowed. Um, I think my working definition of colorism right now is um, preferential treatment within a race for those typically with lighter skin tones. I suppose it's possible that there are cultures where darker skin tones are more celebrated. I guess with white people, like if you are more tan, like you might get some kind of preferential treatment. It's just like the tiniest example of colorism. Um, are you saying yeah. that if you're white and you're darker, uh huh, you get better treatment? Um, in a very um what's the word like superficial kind of way i guess i don't know i'm imagining like preferential treatment meaning like a bartender gives you a free drink because he likes your tan or something like nothing True. serious or life-changing yeah, I, I, I never got that ever yeah jay is jay's a redhead i think that you can draw your conclusions from there. They, this is a podcast they can't see what jay looks like but <laughs> colorism so to your point, Kelly Jane, that's kind of flipping, flipping the script a bit from, I guess, a couple hundred years ago, mm. whereas fairer skin 
fair in quotation marks was more favorable because if you were tan, you were likely in the sun a lot. And if you're in the mm-hmm. sun a lot, you were laboring. And if you're laboring, you're probably poor. Yeah. Right. But now if you're in the sun a lot, it means that you can afford to like go on vacation or you like own a pool or something. Wow. Yeah. Wow. More things change. Or things it's just white people taking stuff for their own because that's what they do. Who knows? Hey, we are just here to discuss the facts, y'all. Y'all listening, <laughs> y'all take it however y'all want to take it. But here is the definite. Oh, I didn't let everybody share. My bad. I, I just, I don't have much to say. I mean, I guess I would have. I mean, Kelly Jane did a great job uh, with I think what her her idea, what her definition was. I, I just haven't heard the word used too often, mm-hmm. so I just I guess I, I would have. I might, you know, since we're talking about it, my guess would have been something along those lines: discrimination based on the color of somebody's skin, and maybe more like the shades of different people's like skin tones, um, True. and related to that idea. Uh, but yeah, it's all in there. Um, I could just speak from experience. Uh, uh, I am. I uh, have a lighter complexion than most people who call themselves black. I can't say most, but like a lot of people who call themselves black. So I am lighter skin than Don is, but I'm still full of melanin. Um, but in my experience, I've seen colorism happen from other black people to talking to other black people mm-hmm. based off your complexion, but also based off how you talk. You know, you mm-hmm. sound white. Or you don't sound black. Uh, I remember walking out of Fantastic Thrift and this lady was walking the other way. She said, you don't sound like you look. And it was a white lady walking out of there. And so there's, there's, a, there's a lot of nuances. Yeah. It's like she saw me coming and then she heard me speak. I was letting her out the door and she said that. And I didn't make much of it. It's like, oh, maybe my voice was deeper than she thought, but no. I, I feel like it's just the words that came out of my mouth I've made an impression the, on her. I've yeah. gotten the good old, you don't sound like you look mm-hmm. before. That's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> That's crazy to say to somebody. <laughs> I think sometimes, I mean, that's wild in general, but just the fact that you, you said that to somebody, like that's not normal to say to somebody, but I digress. I agree. Like, that's a weird thing to point out for anyone. Like, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's just not an okay thing to say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, the uh, definition that I've dug up, and this is, you know, guys, this is Googleable. Everything is Googleable that we talk about. Um, Colorism. Is is Googleable a word? Googleableism. It is now. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) We make up words on the Embrace Matters of Race podcast. Colorism. The practice of discrimination by which those with lighter skin are treated more favorably than those with darker skin. This practice is a product of racism in the United States. Product of racism in the United States. In that it upholds the white standards of beauty and benefits white people in the institutions of oppression whether it be media, the medical world, where you live, finance, everything. Everything about our culture and our um, statues of life as an American or in the United States is based on a hierarchy of um, how light is your skin? How light is your skin, right? The lighter your skin, 
um, the more favorable things are to you. And those of you who can't stand hearing white privilege, we're going to talk about privilege within colorism, within the black community that's privileges, or at least perceived privilege, right? Which completely contradicts what Meghan Markle is dealing with, um, which I don't want to spend too much time talking about her. We want to break down colorism so that our hearers can better understand all of this stuff that's happening. But that's colorism in a nutshell. Um, I have a children's rhyme that I want to share with Kelly Jane. Bring it. <laughs> you ready? I'm you ready, ready for the, uh, this children's rhyme? Yeah, I'm a little scared. You should be. You know, it's, it's weird. I remember hearing this when I was a kid. Like, white mm. kids would say this to me. Aww. But here, here it is right here. <clears throat> if you're black, stay back. If you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, you're mellow. If you're white, you're all right. Oh, my gosh. Have you heard wow. that before? Um, it's ringing a very, very faint bell. I can't say that that's something that like we said around my elementary school or something, but I'm so sorry that you were told that yeah. by kids. Yeah. That's when right. I when I read it again, I definitely it definitely rang a bell. Mm. Definitely rang a bell. But the origins of colorism. Uh, and I want to be, just for our listeners, I want to be as, I guess, source given as possible. Like, I want to make sure you understand the sources that this come from. This isn't just random Google searches or, you know, just our opinions. We want to stand on actual history. Um, Leland Ware is the author, and he points out that in America, skin color is an important signifier of beauty and social status. African-Americans' preference for light complexions and European features date back to antebellum era, right? Which is, antebellum is pre-Civil War, right? Is right before yes. Civil War? Pre-antebellum, pre-Civil War era. When skin color determined an enslaved person's work assignments. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And you could probably guess about, I mean, Carl, you can elaborate on the work assignments. House slaves versus field slaves. Yeah. So yeah. if this was slavery times, I'm, just to let the listeners know who, who have never seen me, I would be in the field all day. And I'm large. I'm a large man too, so I would, I would probably be responsible for a lot of things. <laughs> strong black, strong black man. There it is. Yeah. And Carl, Carl, I feel like would you be in the house? I don't know. I I'd be that mulatto boy, um, and that's that's a term I heard. I was reading uh, one of the accounts at this chapel at University of Richmond, and it was talking about this mulatto boy being on the property. And it's actually the first place I heard mulatto, and then I learned that you know, it's someone who has a, a favorable complexion as a person of color. 
and the the hair loose curls like mine. Mm. Wow. Well, uh, speaking of British people, going back to Meghan Markle, she's not British, but um, a British writer in 1857 is quoted in this article saying that uh, when when this British writer, his name is James Sterling, um, he came to visit the Southern plantations in America in 1857. And his words, he says, in judging of the welfare of the slaves, it is necessary to distinguish the difference, the different conditions of slavery. The most important distinction, both as regards numbers and its influence on the well-being of the slave, it is that between house servants and field or farm hands. The house servant is comparatively well off. He is frequently born and bred in the family he belongs to. And even when this is not the case, the constant association of the slave and his master and master's family naturally leads to such an attachment as ensures good treatment. On the other hand, the position of the field hands is very different. And he relates this to a drove of human cattle. Stark difference. So that's just to give you a context of where colorism started. And you can imagine the tension. What type of tension do you think there was between dark-skinned blacks and white and light-skinned blacks? Certainly envy is one of them. People resented people for the conditions that they either lived or worked in. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like there would be a lot of like Whereas people in these situations should be unified and working together, mm. it's actually leading to a lot more division. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that it would be really easy to, if you were lighter skinned, to take that as part of your identity because there wasn't really much else positive being said about you or positive to hold on to. So mm. if that's the one nice thing that somebody ever said to you, like, yeah, I could in my nature, I could totally see myself like lauding that over other people and feel, feeling superior, um, even though it's all made up. Yeah, I can imagine the light skin, the lighter skin blacks or slaves were were thinking that this might be my way of survival. You know, um, getting cozy with the family. You know, I'm already of the family. You know. Um, that, that might have been a thought process of, hey, this, this might, this might be well off for my family moving forward. Like, you know, um, this might ensure our survival. Um, which is a lot to, lot to, dig into, you know. Um, but moving forward throughout time, colorism continued to thrive um, because it it makes up our American um, experience. Um, it did disappear uh, in black America actually shifting gears in black America those with light skin received employment opportunities off limits to darker skinned black Americans does that sound familiar this is why upper class families in black societies were largely light skinned um, and actually fun fact I, as dark as I am 
Actually, if you go back through the matriarchs of like on my grandmother's side, mm-hmm. if you go through like my grandmother and all the women, all the grands, mothers, moms, um, there's no more chocolate. <laughs> there's, Wait, no more, there's no more chocolate. Like is it gets to um, a Native American woman and oh. a white man. Okay. And, and it goes through and it's like, you know, my great, 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 great grandfather was so fair skinned that he passed as white. And that's how he was able to um, have a farm and be a sharecropper in North Carolina uh, for as long as he did. Um, because they did the census and stuff like that. He passed as he was considered a white male. He was gotcha. so fair skinned. Um I don't know where the chocolate came. I don't know how I came, <laughs> but through, through, throughout the down the line, down the line, the African came. But it's just you know colorism, just definitely all around us, you know. Um, and there's certain privileges that lighter skin people experience than darker skin people. I mean, that's yeah. probably that's probably something you see in in movies and television as well. Yeah, some some uh, older actresses like Dorothy Dandridge or someone else as well. Maybe they had the the more favorable complexion and mm. Yeah. Josephine Baker. Yeah. Eartha Kitt opposed to um, Bessie Smith. Bessie Smith. <laughs> <laughs> or um I don't know why I'm blanking on her name. She's not just an actress, though. She's a singer. Mm-hmm. Nina Simone. Nina Simone. She's chocolate. Mm, yeah. Increases the soul. She's like, yeah. But just, I mean, I, I guess you could speak on the treatment that she even received. Yeah. And darker skin. I think they even contributed to her mental health. Toward the end, she was, she was having a lot of trouble. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, there's a really good Netflix documentary about her. Nina Simone, yeah. So I guess it, c- coming from the white perspective, mm-hmm. Jay and Kelly Jane, is there anything that mirrors this in white culture, you think? I mean, you, you brought up being tan as as it pertains to beauty, maybe. Is it, do, do, you, do you see, do you feel like there's a desire to be as quote-unquote white as possible or lighter if you're already European? I, I, I don't, at least, I don't have any experience with any of anything like that from in a white person's perspective, from like a white person's standpoint. Um, mm. That's anything similar to what, what what black people in America have got, have had to go through. Yeah. I mean, I I think the only thing I can think of is is being tan. Um, and yeah, so the, the darker... Like the darker the better to an extent until you don't look like you're a white person anymore, basically, is like how the mm. mentality goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had competitions with my friends every single summer for who can get darker. Um, and I've never really thought too much about it. I mean, I think it's just kind of like a preference for like how you think you look, I guess, and like mm-hmm. tan or skin theoretically can look healthier, I guess, like a more healthy mm. glow. But mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's like more in there. Was was there a time where 
like I'm not saying this to be offensive. I hope this is not offensive, but I hear every time I hear the word pale or Mm -hmm. I'm so pale coming from friends or family that I know and have, you know, around it's it's always a negative thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, like being pale skin, but Mm -hmm. was there ever a time do you think that pale skin was, was desired? Like, is that like a, um, I know for Asian cultures, that's preferred. Um, like, I mean, I know that we're talking globally and generally speaking, lighter skin is preferred because of racism. But specifically in Asian cultures, I know that that was a big deal. Like that's, you know, they would have their um, parasols to try to stay away. And like milky white skin was like the highest standard of beauty. Um, but yeah, not, not in my experience. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I wonder if maybe if, if, if some people think that pale may be like, if you look too pale that you look sickly, maybe that could be the only negative connotation. I think when it regards to pale skin, I think. Gotcha. Um, but, but yeah, nothing, nothing, I think to, to any sort of degree that, that I think we've seen in regards to. Like I said, what, what 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 black people in America have had to go through in regards to light skin, and dark skin. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to draw parallels to it. Not saying that it's like the the suffering part. I'm just talking about the is within white culture, is there a degree of who gets treated a certain way? Because colorism is is how you're is based on how you're treated. Right. Um, and I'm guessing I mean, like I've heard, you know, I've heard situations to where, um, like Italians, darker Italians, are seen in a certain way as opposed to lighter Italians, or, you know, uh, Spaniards, you know, the Spanish, Mm. right, or even Asian. Like we just talked about that in a, you know, within Asian culture, the lighter you are, the more well off. I know in Latinos. think it's it's similar the lighter you are it may be more favorable yeah and that even speaks to the class system or mm-hmm. your star power I see a lot of people in media and central and south america are, are uh and lighter complexions yeah i mean if there's something like that when it comes to white culture i just i haven't really seen it or witnessed it in any way i don't know anything about it and you know, I'm the whitest, of the white, I guess, in regards to how, you know, how pale skin I am. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't, maybe I just haven't heard anything otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. um, anybody telling me any, yeah, I just, I just never seen anything like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got you. Well, that's a brief history lesson on what colorism is and how it thrives. Um, but I guess for our listeners, I guess, what are the problems with that like why like i don't want to just say what's wrong about it you know but i guess what's the what are some what are the problems of even having a hierarchy is a hierarchy of class necessary wow that's a big question it is just like hierarchies in general we have hierarchies for so many things just like in workplaces even in the church it can get that way but yeah, class system. I mean, I think anything anything that 
judges you based on something that you can't even control and that you were just born with, that's not going to be a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or or like this idea. And I think this is kind of like, um, some cultures have this where it's kind of like you're, you're kind of born into a certain place or a certain, uh, class and like, like almost this idea that you can never get out of it. And I think that's where it's like, it just seems so wrong that, that people can be labeled in a certain way just based on how they were born or, you know, you know, or whatever, right. Or how they look or whatever, that it just, that they're limited in any sort of way in regards to being able to have the opportunities and be able to experience, uh, you know, uh, just, I think all that there is to life and be limited in any sort of way because of anything. I just, it's frustrating to think about. And I, yeah, it just, I think of advertising. I can't speak too much uh, about cosmetics, but advertising, you think of uh, Maybelline Mm. and their slogan, their tagline. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe Mm. it's Maybelline. Um, And you see other things like that going back in history too, even to the the mammies and the poppies uh, Mm. being represented in um, home products like Aunt Jemima, which is not around anymore, or <laughs> Uncle Ben's, which isn't that anymore either. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Um, a lot of those things have shifted because of 2020. Um, but you'll see in the long copy, copy like the, the writing in the article or uh, long-form advertising in old magazines talking about certain favorable qualities of people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, speaking of beauty products, I went to Sri Lanka a couple summers ago and spent a month there. And one of my friends, I slept over at her house and was just kind of in her bathroom looking at the products she had on her sink and her skin care, um, like her face wash was like whitening. Like it was, it specifically advertised itself as whitening face wash. And um, she's Sri Lankan and obviously has brown skin and it just, yeah, it just made my stomach turn um, thinking mm. about the links that people feel like they have to go through just to get yeah. closer to something that I was just born with and am treated better because of. It just, yeah, made me very aware of my privilege in that moment. Yeah, there's been a string of uh, celebrities who have artificially lightened their skin um, with, you know, Sammy Sosa a little Kim. Um, I'm going to exclude Michael Jackson from that picture because he had a skin condition. Um, so, so some of it was a skin condition and some of it was vanity that he suffered from. But I mean, nonetheless, he, he bleached his skin. Um, he felt he had to and he was famous and he had splotches all over his face and stuff like that. So he, he felt how he had to do it. But hmm. um, And there's there's a number of other people who have bleach their skin as well what about like um like what about like with like uh, like different magazines or you know with beauty products or with with movies or shows i thought i've heard about this before where it's like the the skin tones of the people will be modified yeah Yeah. um that's a problem uh the uk or the eu passed laws against um brushing and advertising to fix skin color or any other sort of blemishes or body modification that could happen in an image. Wow. Um, and that, that still happens. You know, they, they whiten teeth, they lighten the skin color. 
Yeah. Um, even like within like the media or entertainment, um, a lot of people actually, because I mean, I guess I was an actor at some point in my life. Um, <laughs> everybody, everybody said to me, it's like, oh my gosh, you remind me so much of Tyler Perry. And I, I used to, I used, I've always hated that. I've always mm. hated that. And because I'm like, I don't look like Tyler Perry. Like, <laughs> for one, I don't look like him. I don't act like him. My voice doesn't sound like his. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm like, how do I, why do I remind you of Tyler Perry? Um, and, you know, he has done a lot of, you know, he, he has a lot of, he's gained a lot of success for himself. Um, now, how he's done that, I've never agreed with. Um, you know, from the character portrayals that he's portrayed and, you know, the the caricatures he's brought to life or allowed people to brought, bring to life in his plays, in his movies that um, are, in my, in my opinion, reminiscent of, um, you know, blackface caricatures. Um, you know, down to he how he refuses to take input to better his writing and directing skills. Um, you know, he's, he's pushed off people and said, he's fine. He does fine. He doesn't want input, you know, and stuff like that. And it's actually really interesting. Something that Spike Lee brought up um, in Tyler Perry's films, especially his early films and plays. Um, you always see the light skin black man coming to the black woman's rescue. Hmm. But the villain of the story is always the dark-skinned male. Wow. It's never a light-skinned male. Or the woman, the beautiful woman, is a lighter-skinned female. Or brown-skinned or lighter-skinned. But the woman that's, you know, the loose one, the one that, you know, slept with her man and did all this promiscuous stuff is the dark-skinned black woman. Wow. That's funny. Um, Uh, Yeah. I... Until you said that, I was I was thinking how much merit is in that criticism. Um, but someone who is an expert and studies other works of art, like Spike Lee, would note these things. Um, mm. And he's probably putting them side by side by side and notices a trend because he's he's making quality work and calling out things like this. Mm. And it's shocking that it's perpetuated, um, if that's the case and if that's the intention. Um, behind the you know the hundreds of people that go into a single production mm-hmm. it still comes up yeah yeah i I, f- I know that just a little bit more on that subject of that relationship dynamic in movies my roommate is black and yeah she's just told me a lot about how that dynamic still manifests itself in real life where you have black men saying things like, oh, I just prefer like light-skinned women. Like that's just, you know, what I'm attracted to. But it, it has such deep roots. And um, dating somebody lighter skin than you is like seen as kind of like an accomplishment. Or like a lot of times she said that um, if a man is dating a darker-skinned woman and then gets really successful and starts succeeding in his career or whatever, he will break up with her and then start dating a light-skinned woman. And she's seen that mm-hmm. happen over and over again. And so um, it, it's really sad. And I think it's important for people to take a second before judging, like, 
oh, that's so messed up that you guys do that within your own race or something and like just pause and be like, okay, but why? Like where does this come from? Where did this originate? Mm -hmm. And how can we get rid of those structures before we start criticizing what how it's manifesting? Right. As as Dom mentioned earlier in the definition, it colorism being a product of the racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's so all of that, even to kind of dive into the topic of colorism, but you know, we could go on and on about how it shows itself. Like I was thinking about so many other instances in which that came into play, you know, in my life personally and like in movies or music and stuff like that. But just kind of circling back to the um, Meghan Markle's interview. Did you guys see that? Jay, you saw that? I, I got to at least get a little bit of a recap of some of the, the key moments. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, could you just briefly kind of break it down just in case the listeners didn't, didn't hear it? Well, it seems like, at least from what I've heard, uh, a lot of what, I guess, led to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry leaving the royal family or wanting to get away from the royal family was because of the pretty much the scrutinizing, I think, that the royal family had towards, you know, um, the kind of spouse that Prince Harry had, you know, and by marrying Meghan Markle and concerns about the, you know, the race or how, I guess, how the baby would look, uh, their child would look, uh, just concerned about, uh, its appearance. And, um, and I think that it's just that, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of, of course, with that, I think, you know, Megan and Harry feeling unloved or, you know, and I think along with that, it's led to uh, a big backlash towards the royal family. And uh, I think the hashtag abolish the monarchy is trending worldwide. And uh, and so, yeah, it's uh, wow. the Buckingham Palace is, is been in some hot water lately with uh, with all that's transpired. Uh, and there's probably more to it as well. I just that's that's the brief uh, the brief uh, gist of what I what I got out of what I've heard so far. Yeah, um, I got to see a good amount of that. And first of all, Meghan Markle looks very uh, uncomfortable, but she's telling she's telling things that you could tell that she's been kind of holding in for a long time. But she does get to her just detailing, like you know, the royal family. I mean, this is me summar- summarizing it. Uh, especially if the listeners haven't actually heard it, but she tells Oprah, you know, the the Royals basically came to her or came to her husband and was like, you know, we have concerns about, you know, how dark this baby will be. You know, um, they already told them like, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't plan to have him have a title. He's not going to have a title. He's not going to have protection. He's not going to be considered a prince or princess, you know, depending on how early it was, they didn't really know the, the sex yet. And, um, you know, she says like, you know, yeah, like they, they had concerns about how dark this baby would be. Wow. And man, it's just like, I, 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 I'm not, I was never shocked. I wasn't shocked at the moment that I heard that, but because I, I guess I just keep reminding myself or remembering what family we're talking about. Right. Like this is this is a family that has a long history in some pretty crazy things. Mm-hmm. That's that's an episode within itself talking about <laughs> the impact 
that the royal family has had on the world. Hmm. But they they they've had a long history of things. You know, even you know this, this is the same family that you know like settlers came from this family. You know, as far as that king sending the settlers to a, to to America, or at least that you know that this same family, same lineage. You know, and slavery is instituted with those settlers and stuff like that. So, I mean, you would think that it's been such a long time. So many years has passed. So many years has passed. And it's still, it's still a thing. Nothing has, like, Hmm. nothing has changed. Or why do you guys think that is, though? Like, that's just weird to me. Like, why nothing has changed? Yeah, like, I mean, just the natural progression of, Think about how many kids have come in the royal family. Like how many people have lived mm-hmm. that were royals in this family. I mean, I think it's, it's a lineage of like 1,200 years, something like that. That's nuts. It's a long time coming. Um, I, I think it's just that. It's just like it's a single family line. It's pretty much a bubble. Mm. Um, I can't say whether they are racists or not. Um I haven't experienced right. it, but you know, there's if there's a seed, there's it's a seed of truth, and I'm pretty sure there are tons of people who have been tied to the palace for you know just as long. Family lines with the people that serve, um, and I, I I'm thinking back to an interview I heard with the first female black member of parliament. And she reflected on that and she handled it pretty diplomatically, which is kind of wild, the questions. And she, there's probably no doubt that there's racism in the palace. Um, but yeah. where it comes from, it, it, you can't really say without experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's as well, it's like, you know, you could have reform in your country or you could have new laws enacted for equality. But each... You know, the rubber's going to meet the road when, when, you, when for each individual person, when it, it involves coming into their family, into their household, into their home. And then it's basically when, you know, then they get, they, they are faced with the situation and they make a decision and they, they basically, then it, then it can start bubbling up whether they have racist tendencies or, 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 or favoritism or biases of any kind or prejudices. See, if it's, yeah. if it's like away from them and it's like out of their bubble, like, you know, Carl was mentioning the bubble idea. It's like, if it's away and it's like not, it's not their problem. But then it starts, if it, if it's like, okay, this now involves our family, uh, you know, then maybe that triggered them in a certain way. And that's why they're responding in this way. That's uh, a good point. You know, and uh, yeah, which is a shame. Uh, just, but uh, I think that's the thing is that we can we can have so much progress in our society from from the macro level. But there's mm-hmm. and this is the same thing I think in regards to what you see sometimes even with in our own like in our country though hey you know Civil Rights Act of 1964 that was passed you know nearly 60 years ago. However, on the micro level, individual level of the households, mm-hmm. there still will be the pockets of people who are just who have those prejudices still and have that racism still. Yeah. yeah. And this is the first time it's come up in the palace because what Queen Elizabeth's been there since the thirties or forties. 
So there hasn't been really much of an opportunity to, you know, introduce someone else. But if something had happened, like if someone started dating or marrying somebody back in the 60s or 70s or in the 80s, I, I, I think there would be a different uh, culture around this in the palace by now, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I feel like they're, they are really particular and strict about the culture that they allow in their household. And it doesn't seem to leave a ton of room for progress or questioning. Um, but I think that the more that we can expose these biases and these long-held subconscious beliefs, the more we talk about them and the more aware we are, then the more intentional we can be about not treating people differently because of the their race or their their shade of their skin color. Yeah. And I want to make it I want to make it clear that um, regardless of skin shade tone, regardless of skin color, um, regardless of race or background, nationality, sex, you know, whether male or female, uh, slave or free, um, regardless of where you are, it's most it's it's mostly it's most important to understand who made us, hmm. who like whose perspective really matters. You know, when we talk about race, you know, our whole podcast is built off of matters of race, but God's perspective matters most because, you know, like, like Kelly Jane said earlier, we're, we're just born. <laughs> we're born we just we born and we come wah wah and we just here you know like we, it's not like it's not like we had a loading screen beforehand and we got to choose the color we would come out as you know um but god you know he he had a plan for for every choice that he made everything that you are was purposeful for god um and how do i know this uh the Bible tells me so. Um, in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, um, I'm going to read the whole thing, but just the first part, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God saying this. Before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God had a plan and purpose for everybody, no matter what you look like, no matter what shade you are. And all of that, Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Hmm. We have a maker who had a purpose for whichever color he dipped his paintbrush in. It was purposeful. (laughs) You know, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I say that to say, man, I use that passage in Ephesians 2 to say that we all be we all may be different in different ways, different shades, but we have a purpose to do good works here. And in 2020, a lot of awful things happened and a lot of things were exposed. And this podcast is here to point you toward those good works that's been laid out for you to do. There's people out there that need our good works. Mm-hmm. 
There's people of all type of different backgrounds that need our good works. And this colorism thing is, is only the tip of the iceberg because we got more isms coming coming soon. Including but I hope that encourages you. I, I, including what? I said including the ones we make up. Yes, including the isms that we make up. It's going to be a long series. But remember that, you know, God has appointed us to do good works. And that is that is wrapped up in what we're doing here. Um, so if you're listening, I hope you're prepared to go out whenever you listen to this. The next, you know, whenever you pause this, you know, whatever, that your mind is set on what good work am I prepared to do? Who am I going to help? Who am I going to reach? Who am I going to teach? That is the first of our isms. Hopefully the next time we do another ism in our series, it'll probably be racism because I... <laughs> In all of our talks of matters of race, we haven't discussed racism, actually. (laughs) So um, thank you guys for listening. Make sure that you follow us on the social medias, Facebook uh, at Embrace Podcast or Instagram at underscore podcast. Uh, Please make sure you follow us. Become a part of the conversation. Become a part of the groups. Make sure you know what we're doing all the time. And where we're going forward, we got a lot of stuff happening. And please make sure that you leave a review. Um, tell us how we're doing. Let us know um, if you have any input or give us input on some things that you want to hear on the podcast, because we can discuss just about anything as long as it's about a matter of race. So if, if y'all don't have anything else, I am ready for the pod yeah. to end. <laughs> I'm ready for the pod to end. <laughs> We're, we're transparent here. There's no form formality. There's no formality here. We love you guys. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Peace. Peace.